Hey everyone, this is another edition of Wise Up. Let's say you have an employee who comes to you and says, I am feeling really stressed out. I'm feeling really anxious. Or they get really honest with you and tell you, I'm struggling with a drinking problem and I'm having a really hard time. What do you do? Well, first, you want to have this week's guest on speed dial, Anish Chaudhry. He's an expert in mind, body, health, and he's got a story to tell about his own struggles with mental health. And I actually get honest, too, uh, around my struggles with this. We have a very open and honest conversation about these things because we believe that transparency around the realities that people are facing is the first step in actually helping people and helping create great workplaces and helping to make the world a better place. So enjoy this week's guest. Anish is a wonderful, genuine, kind human being, and he's also really smart. Enjoy. C-Suite Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Christina DiGiacomo, and this is Wise Up with Christina. And today I have Anish Chaudhry, who is a philanthropist, a brain health coach, corporate wellness consultant, professional speaker, and producer filmmaker. He's a polymath, everyone. And he's been working in the field of health and wellness for over eight years He specializes in the utilization of cutting-edge treatments that combine both Eastern and Western medicine in order to optimize results for his clients. He is the owner and founder of Soul Physio Lifestyle, which is an integrative healthcare network based out of Orange County, California, sunny California. They have two clinics they operate out of each offering a unique set of services to their clients. I am so thrilled to have him here. He's got such a great story and all the work that he's doing. I absolutely appreciate what he's doing and just helping people try to live more healthy lives and better lives. And I just want to welcome him. Hi, Anish. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. What's, uh, what a lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Well, you deserve the star treatment. I'm just... You deserve the red carpet treatment, just saying. Well, I, How I, I, are you today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so I'm happy you're here, here really, because I, I want to dig into uh, a little bit more about what you do and what you have going on, because I think it's super relevant uh, to the needs of people right now. I mean, it, it always is this sort of perennial idea of health and wellness, but there's certainly more of an emphasis on it now. People are becoming more educated around the impact of not living a healthy lifestyle and not being healthy. So, you know, let's just get into it. I really want to know what is your driving philosophy or the driving principle behind your work? The biggest driver and what keeps me going on a day-to-day basis is really this my personal story. 
And without getting too deep into it, but just a general overview is that I struggled with pretty severe mental illness and addiction in my teenage and early 20s, you know, ranging anywhere from anxiety, depression, bipolar, substance abuse, and a slew of other just different labels that psychiatrists, therapists, and, and others have given me throughout the, the years. And, you know, I've been through different treatment facilities, and sober livings, and just a whole slew of of different experiences that that have taught me, you know, what the current landscape and healthcare is offering those suffering from mental health. And I think that mental health is a very complex phenomenon that I, you know, like I went through, like I mentioned, all these different treatments and it, it ultimately it yielded results, but not the results I was looking for. Cause I always felt like I was looking for something more through all these different experiences and what really, really shaped and like opened up my mind and really laid the foundation of the work I do today was getting my brain scanned in 2013 at the Amen clinics, because for the first time I was able to see in, in an objective way, what my brain looked like. And then for the first time I realized it wasn't something wrong with me. It was just an imbalance in my brain. And that was a powerful shift because then I, I, basically dedicated my life to learning about the brain, got my bachelor's in neuropsychology, started exercising more, eating healthier, meditating, doing yoga, and all these different therapies and, and services that we offer today. And, you know, fast forward seven years, I've been off of psych, psych meds for two years now and own two clinics and living in sunny Southern California. And I just see there's so many other people out there primarily children, because that's the, the, the target population we work with, that are struggling with mental health and ultimately lacking solutions. Because I think that putting a 10-year-old on Ritalin or Adderall is just not a good idea and really, really has a negative toll on their brain. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I really... I have to say, I'm so struck by your level of honesty and bravery um, regarding, you know, just being honest about your background and the fact that you had all of these issues. And you know what? I am going to be inspired by you and I'm going to share something that I've never actually spoken publicly about. Um, and I'm just so inspired by you right now. And I just want to say that there was a period of time in my life, um, you know, about 10 to 15 years ago, when I was in a very, you know, challenging working environment where I was drinking a lot, like a lot. Like I actually, you know, had to go into recovery myself. And I think that there are circumstances that people are experiencing um, right now and in their lives where it feels very like you're, you kind of have to figure it out on your own or you have to kind of cope with it on your own. There aren't like the kinds of resources available. There was like no one I could talk to at my job. I just had to try and function and get through the day, you know, and it was really, really difficult. I mean, thankfully I was able to come out of it and I was able to transcend it, but man, I just wish there was someone like you 
that was, you know, that was around or a service uh, like you that was in my company that was really, you know, that I was aware of or that it made that made it safe to even ask for this kind of help. Because I think that that's really what is very difficult for people is to, there's a stigma. There's a stigma with mental health. There's a stigma with addiction. There's a, you know, there's a stigma in even admitting that these, you know, that these things are going on in someone's life. So I am putting my honesty where my mouth is and sharing with you and, and my listeners that I really struggled for a long time and I had an addiction. Um, you know, thankfully I've, I've worked through that, but yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with me having had that experience and learning from that experience. So Anisha, I want to thank you. I did not expect to go there, but I went there. So thank you. Well, I appreciate you sharing and I'm sure your listeners appreciate you sharing too, because it, there's some very, very strong liberation in being able to speak the whole truth and nothing but the truth in a very vulnerable way where you just lay it out there because you're absolutely right that with that stigma, it creates so much fear and wanting to share because then society may then perceive us as less than to where, you know, we may lose respect in the workplace or this, that, and the other. But I can promise you that there are so many more out there that are going through similar experiences like you and I have gone through that perhaps may still be struggling today and have not had the courage to come forward. And by us putting it out there, it may, even if it's just one person that, that shifts their perspective, it lets us know that our experiences, you know, obviously shaped our lives, but then can ultimately be a story for other people. Because sadly, a lot of people don't overcome mental health, especially like in the business world. I think mental health it has kind of been normalized because there is such a high emphasis on productivity, ROI, sales marketing, all these other different concrete metrics that then trump employee wellness. Because the fact that our boss is more concerned, a lot of cases, I don't want to just generalize across the board, but are more concerned about the bottom line and the health of their employees just shows that there is certainly an imbalance in the workplace. And I think what you shared is a very strong illustration of that. Because you know, if we went and you shared that with your, with your boss, chances are it wouldn't have had a positive outcome by any means. So thank you for acknowledging. Um, I really appreciate that. And, you know, you brought up this idea of truth. And I, so I feel the work you're doing, and even to some extent, the work that I'm doing are related because we're on a, we're on a sort of mission to help people realize who they really are or discover who they really are. And, you know, you're coming at it from this perspective of this like mind body clarity and understanding and really getting a good read on everything that's going on in, in your mind and in, and in your body. And I'm looking at things from a philosophical perspective, which is to understand from an, in an aspirational way, like who you really are, like you aren't these, you know, external circumstances or these circling thoughts or, you know, the narrative in your mind and having a sense of what that is helps you to feel more grounded. So, you know, I feel like 
there are a lot of things that are changing. I feel like people are getting more savvy around this, but you know, we're at a period of time in our society and and in our culture uh, it, that is going through some serious adversity. And I wanted to ask you about your, you know, what is what is changing? What will change? What will need to change through your work or in your work? Or what are you seeing um, that is that is changing? Or what do people really need uh, from your perspective? You bring up a great question. You mentioned it sort of in in the, the last set of dialogue that you'd mentioned in terms of people really figuring out who they are and asking that question because so often we are defined by what we do and we use our accomplishments as our identity. Like, you know, I am a banker, I am an entrepreneur, I am this. And then what happens if whatever that is is stripped away? If the answer to that then makes us feel like we're less than, that means then that we're putting our identity in external factors. When in, in reality, that's not who we are. Those are just things that we do. And I think that having a clear delineation is, is a lot of what people are going through right now because there's so many different shifts taking place economically, personally. And I think that really what the biggest change and the biggest shift that's occurring on an individual level is awareness. Because I think in the first step in order for someone to even want to make a change is having an awareness that what they were doing before was not working. What, to whatever capacity, whether it's exercise or business or anything across the board, it all starts with a simple spark of awareness. And I think that's where at like a societal level, now people are going to be searching for answers and searching for solutions. Like, cause now there's an awareness, like, okay, things were not working the way they were before. And so now what do I have to do in order to like create a better standard and a better future for myself? And that's going to be happening with so many people at an individual level. Like we're seeing it manifest at the, at the level of the collective too. And I think people are ultimately going to be seeking education. And that's the biggest way that myself and my business are pivoting is by focusing on being able to educate employees and even working with children in the school system and families to educate them about wellness. So that way they can learn to take care of themselves and understand that whatever changes in the world, the world's always going to be changing. And ultimately, we have to be able to stay true to who we are and what we believe in to weather the storm. So well said. So well said. And, you know, I just had this vision, not like a vi- like just this thought, this mental picture where wellness becomes sort of a requirement, a required topic or a required class in elementary schools, or like it just becomes a requirement even in, in the workplace, like where it becomes part of a management practice or it becomes part of an employee experience in a very integrated way. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, the easiest thing that I, that I think, you know, my clients have adopted and I've taught managers to do is to pause with your team. You and I paused before this interview and I have managers that are pausing with their teams before meetings, just as a clearing of the, the mind and a mental reset and giving the mind just that quick break uh, so that people aren't like still thinking about the previous meeting they were in 
and they're not thinking about the next meeting they're about to go to. And it's just the little things like that. But I feel that there's a real opportunity and a shift happening right now where wellness and health and mental health and, you know, philosophical well-being, for lack of a better expression, are becoming more prominent in the conversation of what goes on in the workplace and what goes on in people's lives. I would just love to see that. And I think that's the kind of work that you're doing is you're really shifting the narrative. You're changing the story. You're helping people understand uh, that this is just as important as math, as reading, as writing, as wellness. Thoughts? I would even go a step further and say it's even more important because, you know, we can, we can sit and spend time doing math and science and, those, and reading and writing, and those are all necessary skills. But in the end of the day, learning to truly take care of ourselves and coming to a point where wellness is then the foundation is then going to be able to shift and, and create a positive impact on our brain to where then learning all these other skills, is just only going to be so much more enhanced. To where before, you know, oh, I may not be great at reading, but, you know, say if I change my diet and eat an anti-inflammatory diet then, and focus on exercising the increased blood flow to the brain and incorporating that with my studies, then all of a sudden I'm much more able to, to sit and be present and ha- not have my mind be all worried during math class or during science class. Then all of a sudden those subjects then are much better retained, especially for children, because, you know, being able to like, say at, at the example of, you know, I'm thinking of when I was in high school, like an eight to three thirty schedule with like seven class periods, about 50 minutes to an hour in length. So what I could, I, what I always imagine that looking like is just taking even the first two to three minutes of every class period to just sit, like you mentioned in silence to pause, breathe. And then that way, whatever you did in the last class, it goes in the last class and then the children are truly present and like to be able to see how that would then impact like SAT scores, ACT scores, and all these other kind of different standard metrics that we use to measure performance, how that would just simply go through the roof. Because I know for me, when I was younger and in school and taking these different tests, my mind would be anywhere but that question because I would just be so anxious. And if, if you're not able to learn to control your emotions and control your nervous system, ultimately the, the science problem or the math problem, like that's not really going to get you where you need to be in life. That's just the simple, cold, hard truth of the matter. I love it. I love it. Because you know where you're touching on? One of my core beliefs, which is that your mind shapes the perception of your experiences. Your mind shapes your experiences. And so... You know, it's just a very simple, if you, if you can't focus or you think you can't answer that problem or you can't answer that, you know, that, or you're not good at math, you're never going to be good at math, right? Because you think that you're not good at math, right? And so the relationship that people have with their own thoughts is, is important, but that is also a piece to a larger puzzle, which is the people that have people's relationships with their bodies, right? So how they're taking care of themselves. And, And basically, I'm just sort of agreeing with everything that you're saying is that everything else becomes irrelevant if you are not of sound mind and sound body. And you know, you can, you can throw all the medication at it 
is not going to work. You can throw all that you could throw all the tutoring at it. It's not going to work. You can throw all the performance management, performance reviews at it. It's not going to work. So for, I have a question. I'm just curious in terms of, uh, people kind of adopting this, this ideology and adopting this notion of mind body first, and then everything else becomes exponentially better. What are you seeing out there in terms of people really aligning with that idea? I think it's like to kind of piggyback off the answer I mentioned earlier. I think that people are coming to a place where there's really not going to be any other choice because the place that we've been like living is like living from the outside in to where, like you mentioned, where all the problems that we have in life from a fundamental societal perspective, perception is that they lie outside of us. You know, the problem is my boss or the problem is my wife, my child. And that inhibits any ability for us to change because we're never at fault. And if we're never at fault, then that's a perfect recipe to continue the same old behavior. And the same old behavior is going to lead to the same old outcomes. That's just it at a very fundamental level. So I think in order for us to like change, people are realizing the world is changing so much. So we don't have a choice but to change now because this old narrative of what corporate America looked like, society and, and all this stuff has just all of a sudden been abruptly shattered. And I think that like that's just opening up people's minds and ultimately the ones that are truly going to thrive and kind of these next generation of whatever this quote unquote new normal is people are talking about, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever, whatever. whatever. I mean, that's a whole separate topic, but (laughs) (laughs) the ones that are going to thrive are ultimately going to be the ones that make a shift and rather than living life from the outside in, live life from the inside out to where that way you control your thoughts, you control your nervous system, you prioritize your health, and then you're able to then shape the reality around you as opposed to reality shit, like whatever the external world shaping you. Like it's, it's extremely simple when you put it like that, but then when you get down to the nuts and bolts of actually doing it and like, you know, getting rid of subconscious beliefs and truly living that life, it just takes time. And most importantly, it takes consistency and, and a willingness to like completely shed whatever we thought we knew and, and truly becoming students, whether we're in the like 30, 40, 50, you know, it could be it's very hard to, to think of us as a student and say, if we've been financially successful or run s- several successful businesses, it's easy for our ego to kind of come in and be like, you know, well, what I did work before, well, I can tell you, you could work a heck of a lot better because you, know, you can be a good businessman, but if you've been stressed out for 30 to 40 years and you say you have a whole bunch of wealth, and then you come down with high blood pressure, diabetes, and, and heart disease in your 60s, what was the point of working all those years if you're not even able to enjoy the fruits of your labor? And that's, that's what I always like to share with the, the people I work with in the business world is that the old narrative is that we work 30 years in corporate America, retire in our early 60s, and live off our retirement. But the truth is, is that people are coming down with chronic illnesses in their 60s. And then any their 70s and beyond are just rid with doctor's appointments. And then like, you work 30 to 40 years to maybe have five to 10 good years left. It's like that, that, that to me just, it doesn't make any sense. So well said. And 
I think I'm just going to end it right there because really I can't think of anything else to add to that. Um, you know, it's just been really lovely to talk to you and I appreciate all of your thoughts and your wisdom. So you've got some things kind of in, you know, cooking right now, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about some of the, the things that you've got going on and share with people? Sure. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, you know, Christina, as you mentioned, I have two clinics in Southern California. Those clinics are now being converted to a nonprofit structure so we can begin to do research and provide services to both inner city families and children with autism and begin to gather more data and more research to really start to implement cutting edge wellness programs into the educational system. And that's really what I'm excited about because we're in the process of actively raising funds to be able to, to make that happen because it's no small task. And then we're also going to be launch, taking the same principles from the clinic and launching uh, a new program on the corporate wellness side. We're actually offering employee assistance services as well as management services to companies to be able to provide, like, like I mentioned, a combination of Eastern and Western medicine to offer customized wellness programs for both employees and executives to ultimately build a healthier brain, reduce stress, increase productivity, and all these other amazing benefits that come with living a healthy lifestyle. And like I mentioned, those are all just in weeks away from coming into fruition. So I just am super excited to get that out there and then start to see how it's able to make a positive impact on people's lives. Anish, you're doing such good work. You're doing the good work. You do gooder. You just, you're just a do-gooder and I love it and I love what you're doing and I'm so behind you um, in, in everything that you're doing and I just want to thank you for being here. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? Like how do they, how do they find you? Absolutely. So feel free to connect with me on Facebook and LinkedIn and then also my website is www.soulphysiolifestyle.com. Feel free to go on there, drop a, a message in the chat box and then I'll be more than happy to chat. And I can attest he is a lovely person. So definitely reach out to him and, uh, you know, and check out what Anish has going on. I think that we're going to be seeing more from him. And I hope that we see more from him uh, because I think he's doing great work. Anish, thank you so much for being here and helping us wise up. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. It's been a blast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.